robots want you to be happy, but they got the wrong end of the stick. I think we should give them what they want. Poltro! Yes, and what do you do? Well, you've done this before. This isn't your first trip. <laughs> I don't know how it works. Our mother to die. Is that? Here comes the drums! Oh, here it comes, the sound of drums. Hello and welcome to Pull to Open, an ongoing quest to watch all of Doctor Who in random order. I'm Pete Paschal. And I'm Chris Taylor, and we are a couple of journalists, a couple of Whovians, a couple of longtime fans of the show who uh, are really rather enjoying our quest uh, so far. And we're now coming to you. Uh, sort of weekly. Um, yeah, sort to, of weekly. I like that. Sort of weekly. Every other weekly. So, so Pete, uh, want to tell us where we've where we've been? Remind us where we are in time and space. Previously on Pull to Open, <laughs> we were at Classic Who. It was the Deadly Assassin. Yes, a mm. very momentous show uh, in Doctor Who. It was huge. That is uh, one of the most relevant episodes to feature Time Lords and Gallifrey was the first episode to not have a companion. Mm -hmm. Lots of good discussion. Um, we concluded the the epicness is just something you cannot argue against, but the um, the some parts worked and some parts, uh, actually most of it worked. The one yeah, part that may not have was like kind of the Matrix <laughs> stuff maybe up. not as aged quite as well. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> definitely two plungers up. Prior to that, we were at the first installment of Trial of a Time Lord, which was the Mysterious Planet, which was an interesting thing because mm. we thought for a second, and maybe it still is, maybe the randomizer, which of course guides us on our journey, was taking us through trial in order. It might still do that, just not <laughs> one after the other. Yeah. Yeah, the, the randomizer was definitely very, uh, very Time Lord focused for a little bit there. And then before that, it was very Moffat focused, Moffat and RTD focused. Mm. As we had the girl in the fireplace, and before that, silence in the library slash forest, the dead. And now, mm -hmm. it has brought <laughs> us from the deadly assassin to smile, 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 smile. Yeah, <laughs> the, the episode guaranteed to make you smile. Uh, and, Capaldi, Capaldi yeah, again. Yeah. Casual fans are like, okay, which one was that again? <laughs> and it's like it's the yeah. robots that speak emoji. Exactly. Uh, it was a late Bill's, Capaldi. Mm -hmm. Yeah, late Capaldi, Bill's second episode. Uh, the second time we've encountered Bill uh, and Nardal here on Pull to Open. First time was Oxygen, which comes later in the season. Um, and here we are at our second adventure. But oh. first, mm. before we get into all of that, let's talk about how Pull to Open has been doing on social media. Yeah, so we're going to talk about why the randomizer brought us here at some point. But um, I have my theories on Smile coming right after the Deadly Assassin. But yes, social media has been awesome, as always. You guys are great at uh, following us, of course, commenting on everything we're doing. Uh, we were, had a super active week on TikTok with a lot of the Mysterious Planet videos. And we're all, we're all the way up to 4,400 followers. So thank you very much, TikTokers, for following us. Um, we had, yeah, it's huge. It's, it's, it's going to get huger. We, we were pushing. <laughs> Keep sharing with your friends. Um, but we had some fun with the Mysterious Planet, and we had all, all kinds of aspects of the story we talked about, including that cool special effect 
the most <laughs> expensive at the time. It was cool. It's a cool effect. Yes. Space it's a cool, I love it. Cool special effect singular. <laughs> the <laughs> one. Basically. <laughs> the one time in the 24, five years, 20, I think 26 years of Classic Who. Yeah, yeah, coolest special effect, most expensive special effect in Classic Who. But people really seem to like to talk about uh, the companions, right? And Mm -hmm. the and the Doctors and the comparisons of the Doctors. It was sort of a great way to start talking about Perry and Six. Well, especially since it was our first episode to uh, of Colin Baker's run that we've done. Mm -hmm. So it was interesting to see him as almost the fully formed, almost fully formed. I don't think he ever really got a chance to fully form until honestly after his run, Mm -hmm. but he was definitely had gelled uh, better and gelled with Perry. And there was uh, some good conversation about their relationship. It's definitely a lot of gel, a lot of hair gel. It was 1986. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Yeah. The perms were definitely one of the better guest stars. The perms uh, were off the charts. Yeah. Baker's perm may be the, 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 uh, one of the best monsters of the season, I think. Uh, (laughs) Certainly more, more effort put into that than the, the L3 or L1 robot that I can't even remember the name of. Drathro. Yeah, that was the guy. There's the big part of Gallifrey in history where the 80s were huge. It was <laughs> a big revival <laughs> retro thing. I love the idea because, of course, you know, this has happened in Star Wars, right? Where because the original movie was filmed in 77 and everyone had sideburns, when they came to do like Rogue One or anything that set it around about the same time, they have people, and we're seeing this in Mandalorian book of Boba Fett right now, they, they sort of add sideburns to people. They make people look deliberately 70s. So I love this idea that, you know, I, I, I really think Doctor Who should follow this. And anytime, you know, we go uh, near this era of the Time Lords, uh, there should just be lots of <laughs> lots of perms everywhere, lots of hair gel, you know, big shoulders to go with those big collars that they have as Time Lords. Uh, well, I love it. I, you know, they've mixed up the Daleks styles before a couple times, you know. They brought back <laughs> yeah. some classic Daleks. So yeah. why not? Let's see exactly. some more, more classic design and classic style. Let's see more perms. So we're going to do our new segment here where we pick out the top TikTok comment of the week. And this one uh, this week goes to, uh, let, let me see if I can say it properly. <laughs> the handle is Milfstead Imagine. Milfstead Imagine. So Milfstead. Okay. But Milfstead. Yeah. Not Milfstead. I probably I probably paused after the yeah. milk a little too long. Yeah, Sorry, you know, Milfstead. Uh, this week, by the way, I learned on Twitter that Milf stands for manuscript I'd like to finish. Oh wow! There you go. <laughs> Let's reappropriate that one. Yeah, I, like I that. love it. <laughs> Creative set gets that one back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Milfstead Imagine had something to say about uh, the trial. We were this was one of the trial um, TikToks, and it, it here's how it reads. It says. An episode where several past doctors are brought forward in a trial to judge someone, actions, uh, someone's actions and whether they are guilty. But the twist is that the person they're judging is the new 14th doctor. And it's revealed that the only fair way to judge is for them to judge themselves. Dun, dun, wow. Dun. He, he did a whole like story here. I like that idea, and I, I think I have yeah. to say, sorry, I'm looking at the same document as you. I think that it, the, the handle is Milfstead. And then the, the comment starts with, imagine an episode. <laughs> my bad. Oh, my God. This is your right. It's just Milstead. Imagine, imagine Milstead. I know Milstead. Yes. Now that it makes, yeah, Milstead, he's a great fan. You, you follow us on the socials and, and on Twitter. So thanks, Milstead. And I'm sorry, I totally thought your handle was longer than it is. But Milstead, imagine. 
I really like the the idea though. This is like uh, up there with some mm-hmm. of our if the evil plot had succeeded, big finish inspiring <laughs> stories. So I would love to see this. Yeah, what a, what a great idea for the 60th special, mm. right? RTD, yeah. I hope you're listening, because we just, our listeners have got ideas up the wazoo for you, and that would be a great way to bring together former Doctors and have them sit in judgment on the new Doctor. And it's like, I think this is a good, like, you know how in the 50th, they sort of had the months, they were all there, but they were all kind of on screen and you had to yeah. do it that way, because how else are you going to do it? But now, as CGI effects have gotten better and better, and we're, you know, mm. we're we're past Rogue One. We're in a place where youthifying various actors is commonplace. This is a bit of a path to, to maybe doing that, and that this is an excuse to have them on a screen, so yes. it doesn't have to be perfect. But you could actually go even further than with the 50th anniversary special, and maybe even um, get some of the newer voice actors who sometimes re-record or, or yeah. record dialogue for some of the audios. We could totally deep fake the old doctors. Exactly. Deep fake the old doctors, right? Deep fake the doctors. Hashtag deep fake the doctors. I think we need to start a movement on this front of social media. Cool. Uh, Take it off, yeah. Milstead. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. thanks, Milstead. Appreciate the comment. Appreciate the idea. I'm sure uh, RTD, who we now know is very, very active on Instagram, uh, maybe when he, he gets over to tiktok he'll start following us read these comments and we will see the next trial of a time lord uh for the 60th special that <laughs> because be we fun. can't get enough <laughs> we already went through two trials in the last two weeks because that's uh, right little known fact deadly assassin has a trial a trial as well, of Super a time lord the doctor quickly convened trial hmm. uh yeah so so that's that's a great idea um but but speaking of being on trial we we ourselves are on trial uh, and uh, it seems that the jury has given us some more thumbs up in the form of reviews. Yeah, that's true. So good segue. We well, asked, um, <laughs> for, yeah, for the reviews are coming in. Thank you guys for leaving them. They really, really help the show. Um, they're, they really don't take long to do. Of course, if you just want to pause what you're listening to here and leave a review, whether it's emojis or a quick note, that's great. We'll be happy to read it out on the podcast, just as I'm about to do with these two great fans. And I'm going to start with one that comes from Great Britain and it is Dr. 1963. Thank you, doctor. Mm, What a great handle. So the title is amazing podcast. Firstly, this is an amazing podcast. Can you guess these doctor who episodes as emojis? Okay. So one has a car. The first one, it's, there's a car. Okay, and then there is an arrow pointing to the left, and I think that kind of gives it away. Turn left, Turn left. All right, and hey, then hey. yeah, <laughs> I was thinking maybe Bessie is it is it a Pertwee episode? No, <laughs> can't wait for till we get the turn left. By the way, yeah, or yeah. we like ourselves uh, some Donna Doctor or Doctor Donna. Sorry, got that wrong. We, we uh, like both of them. Yeah, um, and then the next one is okay. Uh, well, first emoji is a pregnant lady. It looks mm-hmm. like, and the second emoji uh, is a train and uh, a, a steam train. train, the stream, the steam train, classic steam train. Huh. Pregnant huh. lady steam train. Well, pregnancy suggests Amy. Okay. Right. Train. I'm not so sure. Yeah. I almost said. Uh, oh, I got it. Mummy on the Orient Express. Hey. 
<laughs> there it is. Uh, brilliant. Nice one. Brilliant. Nice one, Dr. 163. That was a little bit of a brain teaser. I love this. I love this idea. And the wow. third one very nicely transitions into what we're doing today, mm-hmm. which is a smiley face. <laughs> Do you think they knew? Did they listen to the end of the last episode and write this (laughs) review? That's awesome. That's so great. Actually, this one predates when we Uh, uploaded. So I think it's a coincidence because we we, we just uploaded Deadly Assassin. That's Um, so random. So this is pretty random. Yeah, it's great, though. Thanks, Randomizer. Wow. And wow, I love I love these emoji brain teasers, by the way. Dr. 163, I know you the sort of shot your shot on your review, but if you want to give us some more of those on Twitter, we're yes. at poll to open sixty-three or uh Instagram, also poll to open sixty-three, or or just comment on TikTok on any of our uh comments on any of our videos, and we're at poll to open there. And that goes for all the listeners who want to give us some brain teaser emojis on. I, I love this. I love this. And this may be why the randomizer has brought us here. The randomizer is actually assisting in our marketing because we've been saying <laughs> for a few weeks now, please leave us a review in the form of emoji. And and now we come to the, the one Doctor Who story that deals with emoji. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it is an encouragement for, for you to put your favorite episode of Doctor Who in emoji form. Think about what that would be. Give us some brain teaser. We'll, we'll try and figure it out live on air. Totally. Um, I love this. This, this, Our readers are coming up, or our listeners are coming up with new segments. Uh, It's awesome. I love the symbiosis. So we have one more review. Mm -hmm. Um, It's from ADH Who, and this is also uh, someone from Great Britain. And here it is. Uh, For my whole life, I was only a new Who fan right up until I found your podcast. While listening to all your episodes, I decided to get a BritBox subscription and mm. catch up on the classics. I'm now following along with you and watching each episode the randomizer throws up and discovering all the different eras of the show. Keep going, guys. I love the podcast. Awesome. Well, thank you, ADHU. And I'm really glad we are able to uh, help you read or re- help you discover another dimension to, your, to the show, which is uh, the classic series, which has so yeah. much to give. I love that we're, we're ambassadors for the classic series now. Yeah. We're here to tell all you kids about what it was like <laughs> in our day. <laughs> I mean, which is sometimes kind of how I feel about the, the different ways that, that Pete and I grew up watching Who. Pete got all of it, mm. so it was constantly being repeated. I, I was lucky to see a single repeat of anything on British TV, uh, you know, before before Satellite came along and uh, Cable came along and kind of gave us more Doctor Who repeats in our in our television diet. It was just not something that you ever knew about. You just had to read episode summaries. So uh, yeah. I feel like I'm the real old man here going, back in my day, you wanted <laughs> to watch all classic you- Who. You couldn't just sign up for BritBox. Um, but I also want to say, hey, BritBox, if you're listening, once again, we've, we've asked for sponsorship before. Here we are. We are responsible for $7 of new revenue Look at every this. month. Every month. Every month, so boom, cough up Britbox. Let's let's yeah. get some sponsorship, guy. Come on, exactly. Come on, guys. You know you got the dollars. Well, Chris, I'm 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 saddened always to hear about you know, the Darth of Doctor Who reruns in your past, <laughs> and that it's you had so to wait ironic, a whole week right? just to see another rubber wall <laughs> and a sea devil running into the. <laughs> tripping over his own costume. Yep, yep um, exactly. And and of course, in our day, is the 
typical classic who thing that there was no previously on you just got the last you know few minutes of the previous episode and you just had to remember yeah you had to remember physically store in your own brain what had happened previously in the story sometimes from four weeks ago oh man i mean dude kids these days yeah kids these days they don't know they don't know Kids these days with their HBO Max and their BritBox. (laughs) And the Disney Plus, you guys. (laughs) On demand? What even is that? On demand? We couldn't demand nothing. No, there was no demand. We were, we were, (laughs) there was a dearth of supply. We we were off demand. That's what we were. Yeah, we couldn't demand anything. (laughs) Dang. All right. Here we are, guys. You, we've done it. We've come all the way nicely uh, from those great reviews to yeah. today's episode, which is all about smile. Smile. This is series ten. Uh, uh, story number two sixty eight. Pull it per yep. the codex, as everyone knows. The pull to open codex is the master list of all Doctor Who stories. Uh, you can definitely check it out in the show notes. There's a link. Whether you're listening on Apple or YouTube or wherever. Uh, and this is this is a interesting one because uh, it's also written by uh, a guy we uh, well we we went to his other episode that he wrote, which was right. in the Forest of the Night. Frank Control Boyce, exactly. He also wrote this one, uh, both under Moffat, uh, both Capaldi episodes, and they're both kind of they're very ambitious in their sci-fi um, uh, worlds they build which is uh, very cool. Um, but I'd like to hear a little bit about that world in a minute <laughs> or less. If yeah. We could, maybe Chris, you're yes, on I think TLDW. we can do that. I think we yeah. can do that. I'm once again, I'm feeling confident uh, at the, the point in the show that we call TLDWE, the too long, didn't watch too long. Doctor who, um, uh, where one of us, we, we basically take turns summarizing the entire episode I'm feeling confident about this one, Pete. It's yeah. you know, which may be my death knell, but it just it's it's a very simple story. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I don't see you smiling though. <laughs> I'm going to keep. I'm going to keep smiling through the entire <laughs> should, summary. Should, we should add that as a uh, <laughs> as as a challenge. You have to act yes. out the title as you describe the story. No, what we do here is, of course, we give one minute for every new episode, which translates into roughly uh, 30 seconds for every classic, which is 25 minutes. New is 45 or 50 minutes. Uh, so you have one minute, Chris, mm. here on TLDW to summarize the entire story of Smile. Are you ready, sir? Yes, sir. All right, then let's do this in three, two, one. Okay, so the Doctor takes Bill on her first uh, adventure, her first proper adventure after the pilot, and uh, they go into the future, and they go into Earth's, one of Earth's first colonies, and it's on this planet uh, where there's there's a lot of uh, barley in the fields, and uh, uh, we, we know from the cold open that uh, people have been killed uh, by these uh, this nano swarm uh, because they they weren't smiley enough, and these uh, emoji robots came along and killed them. Um, and uh, the Doctor and Bill are wondering where the hell everyone is on this colony, and uh, they they find that there's an old ship that everything is built on. They they discover pretty quickly after getting emoji things stuck on their backs uh, that they have to keep smiling or they have to keep happy, otherwise the uh, the, the nanobots that are called Vardy will will wipe them out. 
uh, because they they don't understand that uh, sadness is is not a disease. Uh, so they're trying to correct the code, and uh, the colonists on the ship keep waking up, start waking up, and the doctor Time. Time. Them. Oh no! Wow. I'm so confident. Efficient up. Uh, doctor says basically, uh, look, I'm going to hit the reset button, and and then you, they're they're the indigenous species on this planet, and you have to negotiate with them. You have to share the planet with them. Oh God, overconfidence. Right, we've been there. We've been there. I've been there. Overconfidence, my weakness happens here. Take oh, some man. water, man. Walk it off. <laughs> Sorry, I was just coaching earlier today. <laughs> No, it's all good. Luckily, I have some water right here, so I'm going to take it. Always, it always seems like there's it's easy, and then suddenly something trips you, and you're just like, wait a minute, I should expand on that. No, wait. And then something missed over here, and suddenly it's over. You know what? I got, <laughs> I got distracted by the cold open again. That is, there's a classic distraction it, mm, technique for there. once that we, we get stuck in these little God, honey remember, traps. Remember oxygen? Right. Yeah, <laughs> the first thirty seconds on the cold open, it was like never again. That was like, we're in space. Someone is drifting <laughs> through space. Yes, uh, yeah. yeah. So it's in theory, it's a simple story. In practice, I guess as we're we're just outlining the actually a lot of moving parts to it that don't necessarily all tie together into the the most complete whole that we've ever seen mm. in in our Doctor Who journey. Um, but uh, I mean, overall, it's it's certainly a better effort than in the Forest of the Night. I think that's the one thing Agreed. all Doctor Who fans can agree on on this. Um, but it's still, to me, it was still kind of lacking, and it, and it had a lot of promise and potential that it never quite lived up to. What was your What was your overall feel on the? I, I think story? it's a, it's a cute story. I actually mm-hmm. liked it. Um, I was I was. I think it functions really, really well as Bill's first proper adventure. And yes. both the characters discover and through Bill, we sort of rediscover certain aspects of the doctor. And we also get to know Bill. And how could you not like Bill? Bill is so great. I, she's one of the better companions of the new era, in my view. Yeah. Um, and such a, not, you know, I don't want to take anything away from Jenna Coleman because I think she she was great in her own way. But mm-hmm. Bill is so different. And the contrast there, I think they play up here probably to the max, which where she's sort of the new companion. She's very sunny. Like Clara was much more cynical or at least not or cynical might not be the right word, but more like sassy or very sassy. Know, a bit of an edge to her. Whereas Bill's just. She, she even says at one point during it, oh, I, I'm loving this. This is great. Yeah. Like, and yeah, you know what, Bill, we are too. We, we yeah. love traveling with the doctor and this is it. And I think this show, this episode shows why that's cool and why these are a good pair. Even if the story itself, you're, you're, you're always kind of a little either more too confused or, um, a little disappointed about where it goes. And right. You the probably, stakes. Uh, yeah. Stakes aren't entirely clear throughout. It's, you know, I, I got kind of Vashnarada vibes from mm, the, the nanobots. We'll, we'll get into that. But it just, it's so good as a companion episode, as, a, as an episode to introduce Bill and to introduce her, her questions that are, you know, on the face of it, naive questions, but they're also questions that apparently the doctor has not been asked before by any, any companions. So it's a great yeah. way to sort of reintroduce the doctor after the pilot. Um, honestly, I would have preferred Smile if it were just, you know, 45 minutes of Bill asking the doctor questions that he finds very difficult to answer. 
Yeah. For example, why why is this stuck in the shape? Why is this TARDIS stuck in the shape of a police box? Like, why did you keep it that way? Why did you like it? And this is the the first time in Doctor Who's history that's really been addressed. I mean, you know, we've talked a lot about the chameleon circuit before, and you know, in in uh, the Sixth Doctor's era, like he, he finally fixes it, and the TARDIS assumes different shapes. But the idea of the TARDIS being stuck in the shape of a police box because the doctor is kind of a intergalactic policeman. Yeah. As, as Bill said, he's, he's there to help, uh, you know, great, great episode for the pull to open sign, by the way, because she literally quotes <laughs> from it, assist advice and assistance obtainable immediately. And, and yeah. that is so perfect for the doctor. We, we realize this, you know, uh, you know, 268 stories into the doctor's run. Um, that's that's what he's about and that's that's why it's stuck like this and it's it's just it's so wonderful that's what you can do when you bring a new companion in right you can re-examine some of the, the motifs of the show mm. you know what's funny about before. the yeah. sign thing but i 100 yeah. agree with all that. Oh, by the way the, uh, the police thing it's interesting that they don't lean they, they haven't tapped that a lot but you know what's yeah. really funny about the sign so think about this in, in the forest of the night the little girl knocks on the door right mm -hmm. and the doctor's like do you have an appointment yeah. you know like my advice my, my assistant isn't available immediately you know <laughs> and here it's almost like frank cattell Boyce is like correcting himself a bit yeah. you know or like giving us the other side it's like oh no wait it actually says right here you're supposed to help right now yeah. <laughs> well, the doctor so. lies we know this <laughs> but yeah the police thing it's funny like it's it's funny how few episodes have played that up now it's always kind of ever present in the way that bill sort of uh, talks about which is like oh you're here to help you're kind of a cop uh in this sort of you know traditional sense uh but there's very few episodes that actually sort of have that uh, uh, pointed out. Um, one of them was, I think, of the two doctors, because they were they. There was a point where someone people think it's like Interpol, uh, right? Because they end up in Spain or something like that. Um, right. And it's it's kind of funny how 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 little that that is actually pointed out. And I really like how Bill does so here in a way that we really haven't done before. But also, like, and you'll you you would I'm sure you expected this from me. Because I always like the idea of them when they highlight the TARDIS and they, whether they can just leave or not. And they clearly can. Yes. That's, that's actually a part of the story. Like they run yeah. back and then they're like, okay, we're going back to the TARDIS. I had, they're just, Bill presumes they're just going to leave. But the doctor says, no, no, no. I'm going to leave you here. I'm going to go fix this. Yeah. And it's like, wait, what? Like, and and he's like, no. Eh. You know, we, we've, we've definitely seen that, you know, in previous episodes, like closing time, the doctor talks about how his companions are sort of like his, his, his babies, right? His, his uh, pets. His, <laughs> and that's very definitely a moment of, I'm just going to go drop off my, my human child slash pet in the TARDIS. They'll, they'll be fine. We'll take care of themselves. You know, the TARDIS has got broadband. We <laughs> learn at that moment, which I love. Uh, don't read my browser history. The doctor says once again, which is, Again, kind of a disturbing thing to hear mm. from from the doctor. I'm just going to assume yeah. that he's got sort of weird websites that no human should ever see for sort of bizarre, weird alien reasons. And it's not actually but that the doctor's been browsing porn. I think up. it's probably a simpler reason. Spoilers. Spoilers. Don't see your own future. <laughs> why why is the doctor not browsing in incognito mode? This this is what I want to yeah. know. Is he not 
Like, is this the equivalent to just leaving the handbrake on in the TARDIS? You not figured out how to go incognito? Can't the TARDIS just clear the cache automatically? Right. I mean, come on. Yeah, you, there are other people hanging around, but but you know, Bill has, and and this is why I wanted kind of the the whole episode to be this. Bill has such great questions. The whole two hearts thing has mm. has it ever been discussed before? Like how in in the show how that would lead to high blood pressure? <laughs> you would think, right? Yeah, We've talked about his pulse before because it's mm-hmm. like I. This is actually a funny trial. Trial funny enough, in one of the trial of the time load episodes, someone says, "Do you want to?" do this wearable to get your pulse. And uh, I remember the doctor's response is, which pulse would you suggest? <laughs> <laughs> so they make, they make some funny comments here and there about the mm. cardiovascular systems. But I think this is one of the better ones for sure. Um, that it also- sort of, it, it felt like a thing that fans had probably been discussing for years, like a, mm. a nerdy nitpick. Like, uh, actually, I think you'll find that if you had two hearts, that would sort of overwhelm the blood pressure of your entire system. Well, you'd have two um, two blood systems, right? So they'd just mm. be beside each other, I would assume. Or no. Yeah, I really... I would entire, to... That's actually a good clarify. Like, does he have two entirely separate cardiovascular systems, or are they just two hearts pumping through the same cardiovascular system? I know that one of our listeners knows this. So hmm. I I want you to actually write in when when you do your review, just uh, leave us a number of hearts uh, along with your five stars and and tell it you know talk about the doctor's cardiovascular system with reference to heart emojis. Yeah, yes. maybe maybe they're two hearts, but they're at half power. Yes, <laughs> you know. So that's it makes, it makes more sense because like this has actually come up in a lot of sort of sci-fi medical type. Uh, essays or you know just fiction that humans have this weak spot and it's obviously a weak spot the number one cause of death in the entire world everywhere is heart disease cardiovascular Mm yep the heart is a weak spot medically for us and it's like you kind of wonder like well was there a better way and there's sort of a presumption they did time lords maybe figure it out just get a backup and you're probably (laughs) you know halfway to immortal the way they are you know like so it's coming yeah. one of those fundamental things. You'd think that Martha Jones would have asked more about it. True. True. Like what what other yeah. medical experts has the doctor traveled with? Like I, I guess Dr. Grace Holloway. Hmm. Was the problem wasn't with, that, the problem that was something in the TV movie was true. It? Yeah. The problem with Martha is she had hearts in her eyes, Chris. Oh yeah. Whenever she, she was the heart the eye emoji. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like the the, the the, this is a showcase for Bill and why she's a great companion and what we're in for with her is great. Yeah. Um, she's like I say, she's still got a little bit sassy, but it's more like through her naivete and her her uncanny ability to just point at things and, to, you know, point at elephants in the room like, hey, why is that like this? You know, and yes, uh, like the, given that the episode ends with an elephant on the London ice, I think that's, that's a wonderful <laughs> way to describe it. Yeah, she's she's looking at the elephants in the room. She's kind of like the 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 um, she's kind. Bill is kind of like Moffat's Donna, hmm. right? That's true, I mean, yeah. and, and it's not really a connection I drew until I watched Smile, uh, having recently come from Silence of the Library, Forest of the Dead, in which Donna sort of does such great work as you know proves herself to be uh, ten's best companion there um mm-hmm. 
I I would say that that definitely uh, Bill Bill fits that mode, and you know we kind of like to see that more in uh, the Doctor's companions. Someone who will just come along and kind of call a spade a spade, you know, just just kind of point to all the, this this nonsense that the Doctor's been spouting for years. Just call them on it, um, like the fact that the the chairs in the TARDIS or in this version of the TARDIS control room are too far away from the main console. Right. So why would you design it like that? I kind of wanted the doctor to turn around at that point and say, well, you know, previous regenerations, I didn't even have chairs. We just had to <laughs> stand around the console. Did have a hat uh, rack, though. Yeah. <laughs> I love the idea that the doctor was just traveling around for all those years and all those <laughs> regenerations. He's just such a bachelor. He never thought of getting chairs or a couch. Yeah. I like I like that Bill references uh, Marvel, but she does it with Mister Fantastic, which obviously yes. you know it's it's a, it's a fun reference. What I'm not sure if it, is it the only Marvel reference. I mean, we've had a DC reference before, which is the Batman <laughs> referencing Batman randomly yes. in Inferno. Um, are there There's got to be a Hulk reference somewhere. There's got to be a Spider Man reference, you would think, right? I just can't. Yeah. It doesn't occur to me. But again, like, let us know, listeners. Um, <laughs> In whatever you're commenting on, but I also like like those comments like that. Like it felt more real to me, right? Like in the, mm. it's a little bit like you said, Donna. I think Donna was pretty good at that, but Rose I thought was the best at sort of you know we said before with uh, her reference to Camilla and the girl in the fireplace. Mm. She would make these you know cultural references that just resonate and sort of make the whole thing seem a little more contemporary and real. And yeah. that felt pretty good here, although it is it is interesting that she chose sort of a comic book reference, which everyone's going to get, uh, because hey, surprisingly, comic book fans watch Doctor Who, but yeah. they but it's not uh, a movie reference, right? Because Marvel movies were getting huge at the time, they and were. it's and interesting Mr. that Fantastic it, is Fantastic Four, which is a, a movie franchise that has failed <laughs> repeatedly yeah. over and over. So yeah, not not many people have actually seen the Fantastic Four movies, but yeah, we all we all get Miss Fantastic. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure the DC fans are sad that she didn't reference Plastic Man, <laughs> the, the DC equivalent with the long arms, not um, elongated man. Hold on, elongated man. <laughs> yeah, we're all the same guy. Come on, basically stretchy arms, people stretchy arms. Um, so yeah, so it's kind of just. And it's it's also interesting just just to close the loop on on Bill and how great a companion she is and how great she is in this episode is she has that wonderful line where they, they go into the city they're served she gets one block of algae paste right basically and the doctor gets two and she's like is there is there food sexism in space is this bloke utopia which I think is one of my favorite lines. <laughs> Possibly of this entire season, maybe of Capaldi's entire run, is this bloke utopia, which is so such a dagger aimed at the heart of of Doctor Who itself, which has not always uh, covered itself in glory in terms of you know sexism and certainly sexism in space, you know, like for example, yeah. we were just at uh, the trial of the Time Lord Mysterious Planet, in which pretty much everyone is male. Right. And right. they all want to marry Perry off to yes. the and dozen got, males. <laughs> yeah, you've got one one queen who doesn't feature very, very much or very well. Um and yeah, Doctor Who has kind of been a been a bloke to Utopia, you know, and it yeah. just it's a it's a nice well, deadly kind of reference. Yeah. 
Damn. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Yes. Gallifrey. <laughs> bloke utopia up the wazoo white male utopia for sure um yeah. you know white made privileged public schoolboy male <laughs> definitely uh how did so, you yeah. like your visit to gallifrey i don't know kind of nice bit of a sausage trust it was all right <laughs> <laughs> yeah very very much so so that might be an interesting reason why the why the randomizer brought us here right it's kind of uh yeah it's intrigued by bloke utopias and the discussion thereof yeah, go to breathe, breathe some more. Um, uh, well, just general <laughs> diversity. I mean, you know, not to. They're just like, come on, like let's let's just mix it up a bit. But also, I, d- I did love the scene as well. Not only is the dialogue super clever, but it is backs into the two hearts discussion in a in a very neat kind of way, which which was cool. So it actually kind of made it. It, it was just a, such a good scene on on a number of different levels. Um, but yeah, Bill, really great. Um, hey, how did you like the whole? We should get into it. The the yeah. the, the emoji robots, like that that whole idea. Like speaking of utopias, the doctor yes. does say at one point he sees the emoji, and uh, <laughs> we're in a utopia of vacuous teens. Uh, which yeah. again, I think it was a good character moment for him in that, like, it shows his grumpy old man, which is played up a little more against uh bill's you know delightful naivete um but the robots themselves and all of that how 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 did you think that worked out um i like the idea of of the robot it's it's sort of it's nicely chilling when they turn to a sad face emoji Mm. right you you get a sense of that this is ramping up to something scary kind of like when you when you get a it's sort of the little frowny, angry face emoji that they turn to. If you get that from someone in in a text message, you 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 know you 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 messed up, right? <laughs> so, something's gone wrong in this conversation, right? So I think it sort of nicely plays into that. Um, and then, like the idea that they have thumbs within the eyes or skulls within the eyes of the emoji, mm-hmm. it's a little weird. Doesn't feel like that would actually be programmed into them. Right, but it's it's a nice image uh, when when yeah. it comes to that. It does remind me a lot of the movie Moon. If okay. you've seen that, I haven't seen um, that. Uh, definitely recommend it. Doctor Moon is it? Not Doctor Moon. The movie is just called Moon, and uh, it stars a character who is on the moon with with just a robot for company, and the robot just has an emoji face, um, which is very similar to. So I actually wrote a story about Simon C I M O N, which is a robot, a floating robot that was taken to the International Space Station, and had an emoji face. Okay, and you can you can see this. You just go go looking for images of this robot. Uh, it kind of went a bit haywire while it was up there when I, they were trying to do a demo, and it didn't respond to its voice commands. So you had this weird image of a an emoji circular robot kind of looking like the death star floating around the international space station uh which i think took place after this episode was screened if i remember my chronology correctly so it's definitely it's definitely out there it definitely has um what doctor who does best which is kind of references modern culture and takes something that is familiar from the viewer's everyday life and makes it scary um yeah so i like that fact at the same time they kind of want to have both ways right because they're they're trying to say that emoji is legitimate language and that that these these creatures are sort of legitimately trying to communicate 
But at the same time, they call it, you know, it's for vacuous teens, the doctor says, which seems to me of a piece with his his whole grumpiness about tree Facebook yeah. in Forest of the Night, right? Which uh, we discussed in, in that episode. That is sort of belied by current science, which says that trees actually do communicate, right? So this, the doctor was sort of grumpy and uninformed then, and I think he's kind of being a little bit the same here. Um, but I think fundamentally the problem with the emoji robots is that the the threat isn't exactly clear. Okay, yeah. So you can't look sad, otherwise they will try to, you know, yeah. delete you. Essentially. But you yeah. also, but it's okay if you look like the doctor looks, because we sit, because of course frowning, he's, right? he's Capaldi, yeah. so he's frowning the whole damn time yeah. and in his emoji. He's, he's being <laughs> very Scottish, complaining about things. Uh, yeah, and, and asking for independence on every planet they go. I like that reference to the... The Scottish, you know, independence referendum and the fact that the Scottish people yeah. wanted independence again, and, and they still do because of Brexit, which was a very recent thing when this when this episode screened. Yeah. Um, so, so here's so what, what I thought of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought, I, I, it's, it works when they go wrong, right? This is the whole premise: they they delete you when you uh, are sad, and yeah. I think the way they sort of explain that kind of works, but you never like. What do these robots do when they're working correctly? What is what is what are they purpose do they serve? You never really quite mm. get like they walk around displaying emojis, which is a little bit entertaining, but like, why is that good? Mm. And why would you want that? And what do they do? They're such for some of the most hapless droids. They just kind of like are are uh, the the mobility of these things looks really limited, which again can work and can be fine. Uh, there, but you you never get. I, I wish they just thought through a little more, like what a typical day is in the society. Why they even have these robots? Like, yeah, you know, they obviously thought them up as like this thing that's fun and interesting, and you know, let's turn it on its head and um, and let's make them threatening. But they're they're well, they actually really aren't that interesting. I mean, what do you think about? Because what do they what do they do? They're just essentially my robot, my, my emoji keyboard. In robot form, yep. Um, I, I can okay. buy that though, because okay, so the robots are supposed to be there with the the people who are setting up the colony, right? Right. And so they're they're dealing with isolated humans, and I think this is sort of the, the same principle that that lay behind Simon, uh, the the International Space Station robot I referenced, and also uh, the the robot in Moon, um, is that we we need we want to interact with robots who can display emotion. Right. right, so it, it is a very basic idea that robots can understand emoji language, right, and they they can display a correct emoji. So you know, I, I buy that that has been discussed in robotic circles, right, as a way to humanize. Sure, but the, the, I get the sense the robots themselves don't have emotion. It's just that they their thing is to reflect back the emotion of the nearest person. And right. again, that's fine. Why is that helpful? Why would I want that? You know, I'm walking around. Oh, now I know I'm sad. Well, I knew yeah. that, or maybe I didn't know that, and that's maybe good information. But also, like, why? Why is that a priority for this robot to do? And what am I supposed to do with that information? So, like, it's it just kind sort of, of helps you see the robot as as a as a living being, right? It's it's we hmm. we need we need the mirror neurons. You know, if if you're trying to sympathize with someone, you show, your face goes sad because you're you're trying to mirror them, right? And that, that's just how we interact as humans. I totally get that. What what I can't buy 
And we're, we're going to go back to something that we discussed for Girl in the Fireplace. We were talking about the clockwork robots, because here we have, very soon after that, the randomizer taking us to another story about robots going haywire. Right. Um, which actually, if we include Mysterious Planet, right, that that's yeah. a robot going haywire. Love and theme. Uh, that robot too was supposed to, I believe, set up a colonization process ahead of everyone else. Um, well, did its job, I guess. <laughs> it's time to talk once again about the three laws of robotics. Yes, let's review people. Let's review the three laws of robotics. Okay, you know, it feels like ninety percent of Doctor Who episodes would just would just vanish altogether, or Doctor Who episodes involving robots would vanish altogether if these were adhered or programmed into our robots right from the start. First law: a robot may not injure a human being or, through an action, allow a human being to come to harm. Did you do Second that from memory? No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the Wikipedia entry up here on the screen. Okay. <laughs> we all know the three laws of robotics by well, We can't see it on video or in audio, so you could have lied, and I've credit to you, sir, for Yeah, I just I think that the second law is that a robot must obey the orders given to it by a human being. Except where such orders would conflict with the first law, I think that's right. But you didn't uh, say it. They must obey. They must obey orders by human beings. <laughs> <laughs> Except when the human's talking like this. Um, and third law, protect your own existence uh, as long as it doesn't uh, contraindicate the, the first or second law. You know, there have been amendments to this. But like, you know, uh, Korea, South Korea adopted the third law of robotics as an official regulation. That right? robots in, have in the, preserved themselves? Oh, yeah, well, <laughs> the, the three in, laws, not the third law. Yeah, not the third right. law. The three laws. Got it. Uh, I believe they they've actually uh, applied to like if you're building uh, robots, make sure yes. they do this. But they obviously that applies to robots with any decision making capability. I assume. Yes. In yeah. March 2007, the South Korean government announced it would issue a robot ethics charter, setting standards for users and manufacturers. And if, according to the Ministry of Information and Communication which is, again, a great name for a Doctor Who organization, uh, the Charter may reflect Asimov's three laws, attempting to set ground rules for the future development of robotics. So roboticists know this, that it's kind of mm. smart to program your robots so that they don't accidentally commit genocide, huh. uh, which but, is basically well, what's going on let's take it through, though. How do you apply this? Mm -hmm. So the, the, the robots think they're saving people, right? Because they think yeah. um, grief is plague. So yes. they think they're if anyone gets sad, everyone will get sad, and then essentially everyone will die. So they have to uh, stop the infection. Uh, so right. so how do you how do you square that with like doing no harm? Well, if you don't do anything, everybody dies. According to them, not that they're going to, but that's what they're thinking. So in in the but case of a, of a of a deadly uh, pandemic, which is what they think they're faced with, mm. what do you do? Well, I've noticed uh, during the deadly pandemic that we've just been through that uh, there has been no advice from the CDC or any other organization or the WHO telling us that we need to reduce everyone to a pile of bones. <laughs> uh, <laughs> stop the infection. If you get COVID, I mean, you, aren't, you aren't thrown into an incinerator. So. <laughs> right, yeah. you, you want just Weird. you, uh, you know. So, so that it would clearly come under the definition of injuring a human being. To remove all of their muscle and skin. Yeah, well, that's the thing. That's I, I, I keyed on this too, where it's like, well, rather than killing everyone, you could just isolate and quarantine them. That, yeah. that you could try that until they're not sad anymore. How about yeah. that, robots? 
So you just have like super officious robots going around telling people to maintain six feet of distance at all times (laughs) from unhappy people. Uh, which kind of, you know, <laughs> saying that, I'm like, that. that's actually a great premise for a story. <laughs> I kind of like that. Like, why, do, why do they always have to kill? Why can't the Doctor deal with these robot issues that are uh, a bit more nuanced? Yeah, right? so, I mean, you, you kind of have to stretch your credulity a lot, I think, is where you're going to, to even buy the premise of this story. Yeah. Um, which is, yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, the other part of the robot thing that didn't quite work for me i mean it worked for me because i think it's scary which is that they Hmm. they eat people these nanobots i mean nanobots if you think about uh them to an nth degree are extremely terrifying and i like how they show just how terrifying that would be um but the rules for that just seem very like and i think you sort of alluded to this earlier they're very vague Hmm. they don't really even follow through with their own um there is vast amounts of time between the time someone gets sad and people get eaten sometimes, and sometimes it happens really, really quickly. But if the robots are all these little nanobots are everywhere in all the walls, if the whole place is made of them, I don't really understand why it's, it's, it's not instantaneous every single time. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we discussed this problem in the otherwise excellent science of the library forests of the dead, right? Where basically the fashion and Rada live in the shadows, but you don't have people staying out of all shadows and there are lots mm-hmm. of shadows in the library so like some shadows count some don't right so it's a case of the threat not being clear the rules not being clear right. you know doctor who can do that it can, it can give us the most outlandish concepts the most ridiculous techno babble it can make stuff up the whole live long day as long as the story is internally consistent yeah right as long as it's clear what the threat is how the threat works, then we ourselves can do, can do all the other work. We will gladly, you know, uh, make that leap of faith required by any given story, as long as the story is you know makes the stakes clear at any time and just gives us that full sense that we can, we can do the rest. Our fear yeah. will do the rest, and that that's not entirely clear. And even in in terms of the emoji that they use themselves, there's one point where. Bill points out that the doctor's emoji has changed to a thinking emoji. Right. Right. And it's not actually what we would think of as a thinking emoji, which is this. Yeah. For people who are not watching us on YouTube, I'm doing the the, <laughs> the thinking face. The thinking face with the forefinger and thumb. Right. We all know that one. It's sort of thinking and super doubtful. It's <laughs> not often that. used ironically. Like yes, I, exactly. I, I, hmm. I, ar- I hardly ever use it to actually show the actual thought it's more like yeah i'm not actually thinking i'm like hmm. i'm more pointing out some obvious problem with your thoughts <laughs> than actually thinking but yes yes i mean that so then you know maybe in other cultures there is you know like having a drop of sweat on the forehead uh may may reference thinking but it's not immediately clear right but well, Bill just seems to know that. The funny thing here is like the background of the episode is that mm. Capaldi, Moffat, and I think even Cattell Bo- Boyce didn't really yep. use emojis. Like they were just yes. not like wanted to sort of do something that featured them and sort of criticized them in a certain way. So I think it shows. Right? Like, yep. <laughs> that This is an emoji episode written by people who don't use emojis. And exactly. like shepherded completely by people who don't use emoji. Funny side note to that. Um, that story is that 
Jenna Coleman did use emojis the whole time yes. on the show. They would always like, what does she mean by this? Uh, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Which is like, I mean, I'm now wondering what emoji it was that Jenna Coleman used that confused them so much. Oh, God, I hope it's not the eggplant. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, sorry. Oh my God. I should just never. I should just never ever be on a podcast again. But I really hope it wasn't. Um, it's yeah. Let's hope it wasn't the eggplant. It wasn't the peach. The taco. Uh, <laughs> there are, by the way, there are, and we've written about this at Mashable. There are a whole series of uh, extremely, as the kids say, thirsty emojis mm. c- uh, coming online, uh, which I'm sure will be used completely innocently. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's like uh, get an emoji consultant, guys. <laughs> but yeah, I, I wonder what what Jenna Coleman was doing so confused them. Was was it like was it winking? What is this face doing to me? Winking? <laughs> I, it's winking and kissing at the same time. Why what does the hell? This one look like a monkey. That's so weird. A <laughs> cat. Why is the monkey covering its mouth? Why is the cat frowning? Why is the cat got hearts in its eyes? I don't understand. Yeah. It's such a simple language. And the doctor says it's a simple language because it's for vacuous scenes. And yet the creators of this episode couldn't understand it. So yeah, totally. Uh, um but yeah, just to sort of maybe close the book of the robots, the one thing they try to do here and there is actually make the um the walking robots, the emoji robots kind of threatening here and there. And yeah. it just never ever works. Like I, I would have rather they had just said at one point they're 100 percent harmless because to see to watch the doctor and bill kind of shrink themselves against the wall at one point to try to get by them and the robots aren't even really moving mm. and there's there's a few other points where they're like they're they're there and you're supposed to think oh it's a threat yes. <laughs> and you're just i would have rather and honestly i think this would have been better for the story if throughout almost that that they're not threatening and they're basically walking by them Mm. and maybe that would actually give more power to a moment at the end where the robot there's a point where he grabs the doctor's leg like then you would kind of like oh wait they they actually can be a physical threat in this extreme circumstance or whatever uh but because they sort of treat them that way you just never believe it and you never really feel it. I just didn't really care about those little robots. As I think I think you're right. Save it. Save the threat for the end. Like you know, we we thought they were sort of our friendly, cuddly robots, and then maybe you throw in the skull emoji. Yeah. For for an extra special shiver down the spine moment. Uh, did you notice they were British robots, by the way? Uh, <laughs> I did right not. at the end. Right at the end, the doctor basically says he's going to negotiate with them to right. allow these humans to be on the planet, and their the eyes pop up with little pound signs in them. So, so they're clearly using pound sterling in the fu- in this point <laughs> of the future. And by the way, utterly, completely confusing at what point in the future this is. Just to get yes, go <laughs> do a little detour into nitpickery, if you'll indulge. So. Please. For, er, early on in the episode, the doctor said this is one of the first colonies, right? So mm-hmm. we know about certain future history in Doctor Who, and colonies start to happen, uh, you know, the you know, right right around when you would expect, like the Star Trek ish year era, like twenty third, twenty fourth, twenty fifth centuries, something right. even earlier. If you actually look at Classic Who, when you know they didn't know the twenty first century was not going to be as spacey as it turned out to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. So if it's one of the first colonies, that's kind of it would peg it in that era. Then 
later we find that these are people who have clearly fled some global catastrophe. And then the, even leading into that, the doctor at one point is like, these are the last of the human race. Hmm. Like the, the, all of this can't be true. You know what I mean? Like, wait a second. If they're the last of the human race or something, that must put them further out than, you know, Frontios or the Ark or, or the Beast Below or whatever, right? Right, um, right. The, so, uh, the, the TARDIS wiki uh, suggests that this is, you know, Ark in Space era. Right, and there's something to do mm. with the solar flares. I don't know how they're getting that though, because it's all we see of the history of Earth. In a moment, by the way, that really reminded me of the Fifth Element, uh, where Lilo and the Fifth Element sort of sees the whole of human history right. fast forward and discovers how aggressive it was. There's a similar moment where Bill kind of gets a kind of a potted future history of the planet, and apparently there are going to be a lot of uh, protests. In our future, <laughs> how about that's that? That's what we get. If you if you if you look at some of the screen grabs, by the way, it's all like you know uh, socialist worker protests against the uh, Margaret Thatcher's poll tax. So, you know, well, may not not, not, in, not in my top ten list of protests. Yeah, exactly. Pro- exactly. Who who doesn't remember the poll tax riots of nineteen ninety? Um, <laughs> Yeah, that that clearly changed future history in Canada around the same time. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, I know there wasn't even a single truck in any of these images. Oh yeah, yeah. see. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. it's obviously like all they had was the recent footage to go with, mm. and you know, fair enough. Um, but that's certainly not a solar flare that's causing people to leave the planet. It seems to well, who be, knows? have been I mean, unrest. It, it it seems like, well, there's a bit there, and it is a good line, I got to say, where, you know, what day is it? End of the world. It's like, w- mm. we just got here, you know, like, <laughs> again, you know, like, uh, which is like, yeah. oh, okay, well, that that's a cute way of sort of confirming these people fled some crisis. Right. Uh, but and, like, and the idea that they sort of expect it to happen again on any world. Yeah, and, and it's Doctor Who, right? There's been plenty of mm. like, pick your crisis. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Even even if you look at something like a third Doctor episode, like um, I think it was the mutants or the time monster or mm-hmm. something like that. They had, you know, the Earth is t- said to be all polluted and whatever. So it could be anything. Um, but then why, like, why did he say it was the first colony earlier? And like, I just feel like whoever is keeping track of continuity on this one yeah. was really asleep at the wheel and didn't sort of say, no, if you're saying this, don't say that. Uh, because again, we'll go with you and we'll make up our own stuff. Right. Just these, these are just too contradictory. I can't really put it anywhere. Yes. Whoever on that show should really be paying attention to continuity. (coughs) Stephen Moffat. (laughs) Um, they might've been asleep at the wheel. Wait. And and it's weird because they have that line about the, the doctor says that he's run into a few of these colony ships over the years. Right. Which implies that Brontios or the Ark or Ark in space, um, which again, that's a fine era to put it in. That's that's, mm-hmm. but that's some far future stuff. Um, and the technology level seems to be that too, right? Because these are nanobots that can interlock to create an entire city. Like that's yeah. some pretty advanced stuff. So, yeah, I'd, I'd peg this as thousands, if not millions, of years in the future. So, I have to say, your place it, in it, it does look nice, and they've they've done some mm. wonderful color correcting. It is on this whole thing, make it feel sort of, I got a very sort of 70s sci-fi movie vibe from the way that they'd colored this. And it just, you know, Peter Capaldi's yeah. eyes in this episode look so blue, don't they? Yeah. Um, they've, they've 
color corrected him wonderfully and you know bill's wearing a wonderful rainbow t-shirt and then, you know she just stands out perfectly against all of these backgrounds you gotta say the visuals in this episode are absolutely stunning yes 100 percent. very cinematic uh, even mm-hmm. when it's clearly CGI, like a lot of the exteriors, it's also like it's good CGI. And it's also like that because it's sci-fi mm. and this is a planet somewhere like it, it doesn't have to look super realistic. Like a, a, yeah. a wheat field might not actually look like that in the Midwest, but it's like, well, this is that's not what that is. And it's mm. gorgeous. I, I love the scene that the helicopter shot or whatever of the doctor and Bill running back to the TARDIS and you sort of see the lines in the wheat. Yes. Um, just, just really, really nice imagery here uh, and used to, to very good effect. Most of the Technically time. Bali, by the way. And that, that was another part of my undoing in the TLDW. Oh, you have to go I correctly identified the, <laughs> the grain that they have planted as barley, not wheat, as they say in the show. Which oh, may yeah. be the, the wow. nerdiest agricultural reference that we will ever have on Pull to Hope. <laughs> did, you, did you recognize that or was that a thing <laughs> no, you read somewhere? I, I read it. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't read that one. Nerdy, nerdy nitpicks from rural Doctor Who fans. Well, Moffat, not only did you not pay your continuity person enough, you should have had an agro, <laughs> an agro yeah. consultant as well. Shame yeah, exactly, on you, sir. exactly. And even though they they are apparently sort of spraying the the crops with stuff, somewhat some Doctor Who nerd identified this is barley that was ready to be harvested. Okay, so it, it shouldn't like no further work needs to be no done. More spraying. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, you're good. But I mean, so, I love that so this Doctor sort of... Who fandom is so far and wide and so yes. like hyper um, uh, visual, but like they really zero in on things that we have. We have farmers and yeah. agricultural engineers probably uh, watching the show, and uh, they can really, uh, you know, <laughs> zero in on things and correct. The exactly, show. you cannot get an incorrect cereal grain past us. Yeah. Um, so, so Pete, have you ever? I, I have not, but maybe you have. Have you seen the Happiness Patrol? I have seen the Happiness Patrol. The Sylvester McCoy episode, which I think revolves around the, uh, an entire planet where people need to be happy or the guild for not being happy. Is that correct? That is correct. Very, very good. Yes. Yeah, it's uh, so a sort of similar premise. So, a similar idea, and I kind of, I, I wish that they'd gone deeper into that. Right, the basic premise of the show, right, is that you have to smile. Whenever these robots are around, otherwise they'll think that you're sad and they will kill you for being sad. Now, that in itself, you know, we, we've gotten around the the explanations and, you know, we can talk about the, the fact that these robots are effectively genocidal, even though they don't know what they're doing. And then it's a bit of a whiplash to kind of turn around at the end and negotiate with them uh, as the indigenous species of the planet uh, when they've just committed genocide, you know, with no understanding of that because you've just reset them, whatever. But I like the idea. And this sort of, you know, gets back to the, the bloke utopia, the exploration of utopia. Utopia for the for certain people is not utopia for others. But this idea of a utopia where you have to smile, yeah, uh, you know, quickly becoming a dystopia, you cannot show any negative feelings. That seems very of our era, right? Especially yeah. the era of social media, where we're all we're all curating our social media feeds to l- make it look like we're always smiling. Right. Yeah, and I think if, to that point, I think what a, a modern tale that did that incredibly well was uh, Black Mirror. With uh, mm. I think the episode was called Nosedive, but it essentially yes. shows Instagram world and 
how you know uh, vacuous and empty it is because no one's sincere and everyone's trying to get everyone to smile at them essentially yeah uh, exactly you get rated because you get rated you get rated poorly if you don't no again i think uh, i think there are layers to that here and i think there are elements of it and if anything i wanted to go deeper on it and have it make more sense within the narrative here um yeah. the um the, the bit that i think kind of doesn't work but works in the context you just described is how the colonists behave when they come yes. out right because now they're like oh people are dying the robots are kind of at war with us they decide they're just going to grab some guns and start shooting which is a very rash thing to do uh it's very strange honestly like i i didn't quite buy that in mm. terms of if they were actually thinking straight at all that what why would they do the first thought to just start killing these things? I think, though, if you think about it, if this is an emoji culture and has leaned into feeling, mm-hmm. you know, as, as the thing to do, yeah. um, there it kind of works, right? And if I wish that had been better explored and there was more of that with the human characters that this is kind of what we've evolved into we've become this species that just emotes and does things on a whim and i don't know how they survived that long maybe you could explore that too that yeah. there's some checks and balances and maybe that is the robots but i would have loved to see a little more thought put into that and a little more world building here because uh, it's there the elements are there on the floor um that are not really put together super well uh as an as a, a narrative structure in this case uh, so do you, do you know uh, N.K. Jeminson, um, you know, award-winning author, award-winning science fiction author? Yeah, sure. Um, we go bowling all the time. Uh, sure. So she uh, she did a, a Green Lantern series recently. You know, she's also into the comics Ooh. side of things. And she did a wonderful, wonderful series I highly recommend called Far Sector. And it's set in this uh, sort of a space utopia where everyone is voluntarily taking these sort of emotional blockers because it's three cultures that were at war with each other and they they had to come together. So this is the only way they could do it, right? Okay. So it's all about how they try to keep their emotions tamped down and there's this renegade subset of society that has stopped taking the emotion blockers and like they're having actual emotions, right? And th- this is a, such a wonderful sci-fi premise. Gets to this notion of, you know, well does our culture because of course all science fiction is about the present day does our culture sort of try and tamp down on all the negative feelings that we have you know is that what right. part of what emoji does if you've if you've ever sent a smiley face on over text and you didn't actually mean it and you were actually feeling kind of grumpy but you thought like it was just the thing to do or you've just you posted a picture of yourself a selfie of your family smiling on social media because that was the thing to do, even though it doesn't accurately yeah. represent how everyone felt on that day and everyone was feeling crummy for whatever reason or other. You sort of participated in, in the problem that this episode could have talked about. Exactly. But and it goes really back, doesn't. goes back yeah. to what we were saying about an emoji episode by people who don't get emojis, but also don't seem interested in, in peeling back the layers of their use and getting into... Um, um, maybe a little more social commentary through that. Um, yeah. So it's a bit of a missed opportunity. Again, I, I, I think the story works as a Doctor Who episode. Um, the the beats are there. The the iconography is there. 
Um, the fact that it has our imaginations going, drawing these connections is to its credit. Uh, I, and honestly, I wouldn't mind a return to this world, this uh, like a sequel hmm. episode to yeah. smile that does go into some of this stuff because um, I think it's, I think it's all still very valid. It's all still very relevant. And I would love to see it explored in the doctor who universe some more. I, absolutely. And this is, this is something that does come up, I think, right with, with, with a lot of who it's like, why, why doesn't the doctor go back more often? Why doesn't he check in more often with these, with these worlds that he's visited? I mean, here he is negotiating between an indigenous race, which is what the, the robots and the, the Vardy become. Uh, the Vardy, we should mention, named for Andrew Vardy, um, who uh, is uh, a swarm robotics guy uh, in Canada and Newfoundland. Yeah, they, yeah, they they work together. They uh, work together with uh, Frank Control Boyce. Uh, so <laughs> Big you know, fans it's, of each other. Yeah, Andrew and so Frank. Even though it probably the name is probably a little too close to to Vashnarada, I can see why I named them Vardy. Uh, but yeah, I think it would have been much more interesting if it wasn't the the robots going haywire, but that it was actually baked into the human society. So maybe this is what they can do if and when they ever return to this yeah. unnamed colony. Well, it's funny because this is a neat, it's it's a bit of a, might be a segue, I'm going to go for it, into one <laughs> explanation of what would happen if the evil plot had succeeded. Oh, yeah, okay. So what is the evil plot? Well, there isn't really evil at work here. Uh, but if you want to um, presume that because of the <laughs> the badness of the robots, what they're doing, um, if you if you think that they are they're they're not uh, reset, you know, maybe the doctor is the one who gets eaten, or someone gets it, but whatever happens. In other words, mm -hmm. they can't reset the robots in time before they eat everybody. So essentially, the doctor's killed. Can't yep. regenerate. I think you know if you're stripped of all flesh, it's unlikely. Um, unless, unless he ends up looking like the master in the Deadly Assassin. Well, that could be. We could talk about a, a, a Doctor regeneration story, but presuming he mm. is dead, and mm -hmm. Bill and all the colonists, the rest of the colonists eventually wake up, and one by one, they're all going to be killed if they get sad. But at some point, I think there's enough of them that they'll figure this out, and and they'll essentially create a society that is like the happiness patrol you know so yeah. they will they will essentially do the robots dirty work to survive and become kind of a fascist society that enforces all this uh happiness alongside the robots and they'll just sort of evolve into this you know quote-unquote happy society which i i like that idea uh, yeah yeah love love the idea if they sort of maintained it throughout the episode of you know it's kind of what what happens in the cold open where you know a woman is being told that her entirely family has been killed but the the woman informing her tells her that she has to smile you have to keep smiling through it and that, that's sort of a wonderful premise that isn't yeah. really explored to to any any great extent but what a great cold open though gotta say yeah, yeah, it's really good. I like this. So going back to the evil plot succeeding, you know, you, you're saying that the the doctor would die. I, I, you know, so so these things strip your flesh, reduce you to 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 just bones, right? Yeah. Um, I like to think that the and again, deadly assassin master <laughs> putting me in this mindset. I like to think that the doctor might end up on his last of his latest round of regenerations in this scenario looking a little bit masterish but then that actually saves him 
Okay. Because he is then seen as smiling. Oh, this, yeah. all his teeth are showing. Exactly. It's this ghoulish grin. Like if the if the deadly assassin master visited this planet, he would totally survive because he's just he'd just get an emoji with a smile on it on his back yeah. the whole time. That makes me also think that these Vardy will never kill any crocodiles or dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, speaking yeah. of the master, I thought about this too. If the doctor does die, Missy will mm. eventually free herself. She From will find him as body or what remains of him on this planet at some point. Go even crazier because she was denied the pleasure of killing him, and essentially become uh, a, a a terrible ruler of the cosmos. Uh, at the very least, destroy that entire colony. But uh, be even worse than we know the master and Missy because they are there. They'll be so lost without that uh, player on the other side anymore. That's right. Anyway. And then wouldn't, wouldn't get to meet her earlier regeneration yeah, that's true. and, and kill him, which would create a paradox right? Uh, because they kill each other. So that's how John Sim regenerates into Missy because Missy kills John Sim in, uh, in, uh, are you just making uh, this up? Dr. Did Falls. you read this somewhere? It, I just isn't that it was never explained. This hasn't oh, been explained, is it? I maybe maybe I'm misremembering the end of uh, the Doctor Falls. Well, oh, I just remember they just Doctor kill Falls. each other, but I don't think they ever said what happened after that. Yeah, it's not it's not 100 percent that that's what makes Johnson regenerate. And this is part of parcel of the the problem with the Master's regenerations is, with the exception of um, you know uh, the the one regeneration into Johnson, right. The one we actually did see, Derek Jacoby. Yeah. Into, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Derek Jacoby doing his wonderful, like, you know, five minutes as the master, as the war master. Mm. Um, I, we've, we've never seen any other, have we? I, ex- except, I guess, when Anthony Ainley uh, comes along the first time, we, we get to see the. Yeah. You see the, the, the zombie skeleton master, master, skeleton yeah. master become uh, the Tremus master, as they often right, refer to right. it. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Anyway, we've got a total total rabbit hole in that. Yeah, but yeah a little beyond idea the scope, that... but I, I had to get it out there because they, they do mention Missy. Well, they mentioned someone in the vault. At this point in the season, you don't know what the Doctor is doing in terms of guarding right. the vault. And it is cute. I really like um, when the Doctor references that he has a time machine. And I know it's obvious, mm. but again, this is a thing I think you kind of have to constantly reintroduce where it's like, all right, go put some tea on. And now I live a few adventures or even hundreds of years because I'm a time Lord mm-hmm. and I can come back before I left. So that's just how yeah, it goes, it's a guys. Nice, it's a nice setup. And I like that Nardole in, in this whole season is the one who's constantly reminding the doctor uh, of his own promise. And we, we've already seen that later on in oxygen. Um, and of course we've seen uh, pyramid at the end of the world and Light of the land. Uh, we've seen quite a lot of this season. It, Randomizer not only loves Capaldi, it loves this season in particular. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it is, you know, it's it's a solid season. I mean, we got um we got Bill, you got Nardole, you got this interesting mystery with Missy, and mm-hmm. you know, there's there's a lot going on here. Um yeah, series ten uh, you know, yeah. really, really did a reset button of sorts for the show. <laughs> and yes, even better than again. Even better than yeah, exactly. This uh, that that's the big resolution here is that the doctor resets the <laughs> robots, and they forget everything. If only we could do that to all of society. Um, 
that'd be great. Mm. But the I, I will say, like doing a reset button, I like this because it's not really a reset button in the same way that you know, say reversing time and just nothing ever happened. It's not that, but it is also like he explicitly talks about it. And I feel like when you do a reset button, if you make doing the reset button the thing that um, is is referred to and and sort of it's part of the uh, the the whole premise of what you're doing, I think it eases the yeah. pain of that. You know, so. Yeah, it does, but it also makes you think why why the Doctor is not just uh, going around uh, the universe and every time he encounters killer robots, just doing this automatically, like you know, try as the first thing instead of the last thing, try mm. turning them all off and on again. Yeah, like maybe if he'd done that with the clockwork robots, they wouldn't have hatched this insane scheme to punch a hole through time and you know grab a, a figure from 18th century France. Uh, uh, didn't know. have broadband back then. <laughs> <laughs> no broadband need, in the need, 51st century need the broadband in the TARDIS he installed it I don't know somewhere in the Matsmith era probably speaking so that's of my ships though and ship ship names uh, oh, yeah. because of course the Madame de Pompadour was, was the name of the ship that was the big reveal and go in the fireplace uh, the name of the ship here is Erewhon mm. uh, which is a novel by Samuel Butler famous utopian work and uh, Erewhon of course of is nowhere not not any anagram. It's nowhere backwards. Oh, yeah, it is. Uh, pretty close. I that's think where the H the, is, I guess. Yeah, I I think wasn't the H the the other way around. Anyway, doesn't matter. Uh, either either anagram or reverse of nowhere, uh, which of course is the original meaning of utopia, is no place. Uh, mm. No utopia, no place. E utopia, good place. Um, so it could be either. It's ambiguous. Uh, with Sir Thomas More when he wrote the original. Um, would love, by the way, if the Doctor really is interested in uh, utopian writings, maybe he could pay a visit to Sir Thomas More one of these days and find out what he actually did mean when he wrote Utopia. Or or uh, she could. That's could hang out. Yeah, or she could, yes. Uh, that, that would be my uh, nerdy direction to send the Doctor in. And uh, he, she can go hang out with Henry VIII at the same time. Like it's a great, great, you know, just drop in the middle of a man for all seasons. If you've seen that movie, <laughs> uh, great, great. Sir Thomas More film. Um, Let's do it. Anyway, little, little distraction there talking about utopia, one of my favorite subjects. Um, but yeah, we, we do have one other piece of business to take care of we as do. we do with all of these episodes, which is if, if there is a Clara splinter and we are assuming that a Clara splinter appears from the name of the doctor in every story in the doctor's timeline right where where is she right pete any ideas uh i was hoping you did but i the main thing <laughs> you know what what we like to do with our clara splinters is that is there an obvious plot hole that could be explained yeah. by clara helping the doctor in the background and the only one i can think of is that what i talked about earlier where the robots sometimes attack quickly and sometimes don't. Is she somehow hmm. doing something, distracting them, um, basically tasking them in some way so that they don't do that? And the doctor and Bill thus have time to run through the field to the TARDIS yeah. and, and do other things despite having shown uh, teary faces here and there. So uh, that's the best thing. But yeah, I'm not maybe... sure exactly what she'd be doing. 
she could maybe just not be on the world at all. She could have uh, programmed the, you know, put put some, been one of the programmers on the the emoji OS that these robots run on, <laughs> uh, just so that they know that the the doctor's frowny quizzical look is should not be interpreted as sadness. Mm. I feel like that that's maybe a bigger a bigger plot hole for me is that that sort of because it happens so quickly at the start of the episode that. Uh, you know, the, the doctor immediately goes frowning and you're like, well, hang on. We've just seen them, you know, uh, kill people for negative emotions. Why isn't that counting as negative? So, well, yeah, that's kind um, of it. Is it, you have to hmm. smile or is it you, anything but sadness, you know, that's, yeah. that's again, not, it's never quite clear. Um, and it's kind of whatever the scene wants. Right. So, yeah, it it really and it just sort of you know it makes it unclear to to us the viewers what the stakes actually are. Um, but I like your solution just, you know, better because then she's not really there. And <laughs> exactly, it wouldn't make sense unless I don't know. Maybe maybe she would go in eyes wide open on the nanobots, yeah. but like no one else is around and everyone's getting consumed. Well, maybe uh, by a robot. So maybe her splinter is one of the colonists, and you know the <laughs> cut to. <laughs> After the doctor and, and Bill leaves, like Clara wakes up out of her pod and she's like, "I'm I'm here, guys! Don't don't attack the robots!" Because oh, you've already figured it out. <laughs> All right, that's the best one. Yes, let's go with that. <laughs> she was late. The idea that Clara's been she's Little just late. late. I mean, that, that's sort of what we get from uh, Name of the Doctor as well, right? That she's just sort of late in all these instances just standing off going shouting doctor right like not actually actually doing anything (laughs) yeah but it's interesting to to that point perhaps the maybe the last thing i'll have to say about smile is that we've we've talked a lot recently about how how nice it is when there's a smaller number of moving parts in each episode smaller number of people to Mm -hmm. involve with the doctor like uh you know we need more time to focus on the doctor's uh, relationship with their new companion. Um, and this smile is perhaps an example of how you can go too far mm-hmm. in that direction. You know, it's not a doctor light episode. It's not a companion light episode. It is in fact a, uh, everyone else light episode. And right. maybe, maybe too much, maybe waits too late to bring in the other humans. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot to that. Again, I think there's so much, um, so much left on the floor here that again i want i'd love to see a follow-up i think there are a lot of ingredients to something even better but the two main ingredients being the doctor and bill and sort of how Mm. their relationship is evolving and and becoming something really fun uh that's awesome it's it's really on display here and um you know for me that that's why this story succeeds so it's definitely a plunger up for me um and the other mm. stuff is so compelling like again like i don't think it's 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 a bit of a wasted opportunity but i would lo- i would love to come back to it either with as a direct sequel to this or just explore those themes in some other ways yeah and and maybe maybe one last general observation observation that we haven't discussed so far why is it that with the doctor's new companions especially in new who invariably the second episode, after he meets them, they go to the future. <laughs> well, uh, almost the far future. They mix it up so one very time. Simplistic far future. Uh, yeah, yeah. Martha's the only one who gets to go to the past first. I guess because the Shakespeare Code was her second yeah. one. They just couldn't wait to get to that. But otherwise, like Rose, 
yeah. Clara, Amy, uh, you know, and and they're all kind of slightly forgettable episodes, right? Uh, yeah, that's fair. You know, Beast Below, yeah, that's true. Beast Below is a little memorable. Beast but... Below, very. Yeah, what? Ring Rings of Octon, uh yeah. yeah, you know, and then this is sort of a kind of a solid eh as well. Mate, but maybe it's the best of the eh second episode companion goes to far future stories. Best looking. What do you think? I'll say that. Yeah. I don't think it's necessary. I th- I would say um bite your tongue on End of the World because End of the World for me yes. is amazing. Uh that's a great episode for a lot of reasons. But for the rest of them, I think mm. you're dead on. Um even well, actually Martha's is pretty good too cuz even maybe that's maybe that's the key. If you wait an extra episode, it's even better because I thought Gridlock was surprisingly good. Like I mean it, it yeah. It shocked the hell out of me how well they made traffic kind of interesting in mm. sci-fi. Uh, Gridlock, Gridlock is good, and and in part because it's in this 51st century, 50th century future, new 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 Earth future, right? Where it's all part of the same uh, continuum right. that, that we began with. End. Well, that was way beyond. That was like five so, billion years in the future. That may be it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, that's it. Um, but you know the 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 fact that we revisit these characters, right? We revisit Cassandra, right? Um, you know, we get them again. It's 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 RTD starting uh, to build something up. You know, where a smile is clearly just a one off, and yeah, Moffat has no no intention of returning to. Yeah, they tried. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean mostly with the emoji stuff. Again, I, I think smiles works. Mm. It's a cute story. The bots are there's there's enough going on here. Um, but yeah, like uh, it's it it all it doesn't quite add up to something. Uh, I would if they actually never got back to it, <laughs> I wouldn't wouldn't be too annoyed. Like it doesn't it's not crying out for a sequel. But I, I you know Doctor Who uh, Deboji, I don't think we've heard the last of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's nice to see Doctor Who keeping up with with the Joneses, as it were, keeping up with the modern era and doing what it can and. I feel like we we definitely need something along the lines of Nosedive, the Black Mirror episode that you referenced. Mm. Something that that tackles social media, uh, well, and also in, social in a, credits in a, in a scores, way. like the idea of yeah. uh, you know, which we're we're starting to see hints of in some some places mm. in the world, like in China in particular. This idea that yeah. digital lives can really screw up your real life. Uh, yeah. and affect you not just you know things like being on a no fly list or whatever, but like your day to day life. Yeah. Um. Very. very yeah. We we we, uh, we do need the the equivalent of uh, you know uh, the misinformation. We need the misinformation yeah, episode. The that. online misinformation. Um. Yeah. 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 Interesting we'll there, time to be maybe. discussing all of this. Yeah. Right, with the <laughs> we're, we're we're recording this. You know that this is our first. Uh. You know war in ukraine era episode of pull to open uh so it's very much on our minds at the moment the way that social media is being used in that war to to great effect by ukraine so far at this point so yeah we'll competing histories uh, competing versions of history again you know we're not trying to make light of anything it's just that clearly you know when dark shows like dr who and sci-fi they have something relevant to say with social commentary it 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 resonates so we saw um, that a lot with Pertwee, and uh, yeah, we we know that that it should not try to shy away from 
the problems of the modern world. Exactly. And so that's a really good segue into figuring out where we're going to go next. And that's, I think we mm. might have just challenged the randomizer <laughs> in that like, hey, guy, let's <laughs> let's have something Give with some, some social content. Something relevant. Yeah. Or just something that, you know, well, I sort has of something feel... to say. Yeah, I sort of feel like, you know, so in in the last few days, uh, uh, Zelazny, the, the president of Ukraine, has kind of become an online hero around the world. And also kind of feels like the, a, a Doctor Who character in that sense, right? You know, someone who stands their ground, um, you know, uh, and rallies the troops. I feel like we've seen that so many times in the show. So that's going to be my challenge to the randomizer, is, is give us a hero. Uh, a, a hero. Lines, a hero who stands his ground. I like that. Yep. Who isn't the doctor? It's a hero who isn't <laughs> the doctor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a right. local hero, if you will. Like it. Um, all right. Hey, well, let's activate the randomizer. As everyone knows, and if you don't, yep. here's what it is. The randomizer is, of course, our guide on our journey. Uh, more than a guide. It's kind of like the, the person running the show, the thing running the show. It's the CEO of our journey. The randomizer, all praise <laughs> to the randomizer. Um, it's two components. It is. It the, is interesting, by the way. I'll, I'll I'll throw in one more thing about Smile that they they have this thing about you know that the TARDIS takes you. This don't they say something about like there's a midpoint between where you want to go and where you need to go, and that's where the randomizer takes you. That's where oh the yeah, you. that's right. That's a, that is a good line. There yeah. are a lot of good lines in this episode. I got to say, yeah. Smile has yeah. like it's yeah. Moffat clearly had a uh, went over mm-hmm. Frank's draft. <laughs> at yes. one point and inserted so some let's of genius. see all right let's see where the randomizer says that we need to go so there are two parts of the randomizer pete has one which is the codex which is our pull to open specific spreadsheet uh of of the stories and mm-hmm. uh pete what, what am i what am i using for the other part well i believe you're going to go to random.org the yes. uh executor uh mm-hmm. as part of the randomizer that will Use atmospheric noise to find a true mm-hmm. random number. Computers, of course, are notoriously bad at actually finding true randomness, and we find it instead right. in the atmosphere. So we just go to random.org, plug in all the numbers to in the codex, when there are now 299, all from an earthly right. child to Eve of the Daleks, and right We're before still waiting Eve of the, the Dalek story, you saw my Easter egg here. Uh-huh. I just got my Blu-ray of uh, Doctor Who Flux right here. And by the way, that's how you're <laughs> supposed to say it: Doctor Who Flux, Flux, Flux. My, <laughs> like my it, very, Sheffield, or very Sheffield. Um, but all, all the episodes, and uh, we're going to activate the randomizer now. So, Chris, are you ready? I'm ready. Give me a countdown. All right, here we go. Four, three, two, one. Geronimo! 264. Right, that sounds familiar. Oh, no. It's time locked. That's hell bent. Oh. 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 We just bounced off hell bent. We've been there. Wow. We just, it tried, it loves Time Lords so much, it wants to take us back to another Time Lord episode, but we can't. Yeah. That is the first time. Is that the first time we've been time locked? Second time? You tell us, um, listeners. I think I, I actually yeah. think it's the second time, but this this might. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, but we bounced yeah, off. Tell us, tell us in the form of emoji. All yeah. right. So I got to hit generate again. Yeah. So another countdown. Materialize in five, four, three, two, one. Where well, anything could happen. Two hundred forty-six. Okay. Uh, 
And we have arrived at Capaldi again. No. Yes, it is Robot of Sherwood. Oh my god. That's the one. Yet more robots. More robots. That's what it heard. Uh, <laughs> That's what it heard. More robots yeah. and a spoon. And a spoon. Okay. This is so, you know, <laughs> I think we're going to exhaust the Capaldis pretty early in our run. Um, and it's so, yeah. I feel like we've yeah, done we, like we half of them by now. We should, I feel like we should start taking bets. I think that in, in lieu of BritBox sponsorship, we can actually kind of run a book on, uh, <laughs> we can invite listeners to place bets on things such as who is going to be the first doctor that we complete, mm. you know, who, who's every adventure we watch. And I think there is a clear front runner yeah. right now. Well, the over under on whatever doctor we go to next, I got to think, you know, the yeah. more we do, if you would, th- if you, th- if you thought about it, the more we did of Capaldi, the less likely it would seem we'd come back, right? Because there's just less of him to you go would to. Think. But we just keep coming back. So I, I don't know. I think you got to, you got to put in some and random element there. <laughs> it's so weird because we bounced off a of Capaldi and went to another Capaldi. Right. Yeah. What is up it's, with your randomizer? I don't know. Like the, the atmospheric <laughs> noise in the high 200s or the mid 200s seems to be just what happens. I, uh, I don't know yes. exactly what part uh, wait, of the atmosphere what? it's scanning, but it's. What is this random? Might be over page. Scotland. What does it say here? <laughs> Random.org, sponsored by Peter Capaldi. Oh, interesting. <laughs> no, um, well, I kid, I kid. But no, Peter Capaldi certainly has randomness on his side. He does. And we have wow. time on our side, but no longer today because we're pretty much done, guys. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. Uh, we're a podcast. We are a podcast. Yeah. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do whatever platform you're on. We're on all the good platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, Breaker, et cetera, et cetera. Just please uh, don't just subscribe. Also leave us a review. Those reviews really do help us get visible to more and more ears and eyeballs, depending on where you are, uh, because we're also on YouTube. So check us out on YouTube. Uh, Just search for Pull to Open Podcast, Doctor Who, whatever will probably come up. And uh, have us a have a look there. Give us a subscribe, share, yeah. share, and we're share. We're slowly like. uploading uh, more more YouTube videos, right? Yeah, we're on a schedule. So when we upload, we will also upload to YouTube, and pretty soon we will have our whole back catalog up there. So watch for that in the coming weeks. Obviously, follow us on Very social. Exciting. We love the socials. We love discussing the show. We're very active on TikTok. It's pull to open, all one word on TikTok. Go ahead and subscribe to us there. Drop us a comment, share the videos, uh, and do the same on Instagram and Twitter, where we are both at Pull to Open sixty three. This has been Pull to Open, the podcast. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. See you guys. Bye.